The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you, if you have your Bible, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11. Uh, we're going to start at verse 2, reading out of the New Living Translation. We're going to read a story tonight uh, about John the Baptist, okay? And we pick up this story with John the Baptist. John has um, decided to publicly, publicly rebuke Herod. And that didn't go well for, for John, okay? He, he calls him out for a sin, and he ends up being thrown in prison. And so when we pick up this story, John the Baptist is in prison. And here's, here's what the scripture says, uh, Matthew 11, verse 2, says, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we look for someone else? Jesus told him, this is verse 4, go back to John and tell him what you've seen and what you've heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Somebody say amen to that. That's already good. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. The title of the message tonight as we continue the Blocks conference is Stumbling Block. Stumbling Block. Now, it'll make more sense to you towards the end of this message, but if I had a subtitle for it, I would say, are you tripping or are you trusting? Are you tripping or are you trusting? Let's pray. Father, I pray in these next few moments that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So about two and a half months ago, my wife and I found out we were pregnant with our fourth child. And we have a six-year-old daughter named Judah. She is somewhere in children's ministry right now. She's full of personality. I will not be surprised if at some point she kicks down a door, grabs this microphone, and starts preaching, okay? Like, this is, that's Judah, okay? She's great. Then I've got a five-year-old son named Jaden. And, and Jaden's voice is actually deeper than mine already. Like, he's got this raspy voice. Hey, daddy. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. So he's great, too. But then, then I have, I have this, this 15-month-old little girl named Jordan Brielle Lewis, and we call her Jordy B, okay? And, and Jordy B is the real Christian in our home, all right? She, she's really sweet. Like, she loves her daddy. I'm like, you're for sure going to heaven. You are a good, good little girl. But we thought we were done at three. You know, like, like we thought, okay, we're shutting this thing down. We were, it feels like our family's good. And, and God decided to give us a little bonus, okay? And, and so we, we find out we're having number four. And I have to be honest with you. Listen, we recognize that children are a gift from the Lord, so we're very grateful. But we were shocked. And, and to make matters worse, the way that my wife told me we were pregnant, I was even more shocked. Okay, so, so this is like, she decides she's going to take a pregnancy test. I don't even know she's doing this, right? And, and, and so she decides, 
One night, it's three o'clock in the morning. I get up and I go to the restroom at three o'clock in the morning. First of all, that was the sign for me that I am old now. Okay, I can't even go through the night. But, but then I, I go to the restroom. I come back, crawl into the bed. I'm laying in the bed and she says to me, Jelani, I need to tell you something, but I don't know if you'll be able to go to sleep after I tell you. <laughs> what? What? I mean, why would you even say something like this? So I've got like a million thoughts in my mind. I'm like, okay, what did you do? What did you like? Are the police coming out? We need to pack bags. We got to get, I don't know. I don't know what's going to, you have to tell me now. And so I'm, but luckily I've got my back turned against her, right? And so I'm laying there and she says, well, we're pregnant. And so here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm like laying next to her and she says, we're pregnant. And I go, like a mannequin. I'm like, I don't move at all. I'm just like. And so I'm so still for so long that finally she says, are you going to say anything? And I'm like, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to say. And then I say like the dumbest thing, how did this happen? What meanest thou? I mean, I'm, I'm shocked now. And so then I, I go to bed and about two hours later, I wake up, you know, and I'm like, hey, babe, I had this dream. Like you told me, is this, is this, she's like, we're pregnant. And so then I've got questions, okay? I, I got a question for her. I'm like, okay, so, so first of all, how did this happen? Like, but secondly, why would you wait until three o'clock in the morning to tell somebody this? Well, then I found out that the reason why she waited is because when she first found out, she was so mad at me. Like, it was my fault. I, I was just, just, just Jelani, okay? So she's upset at me, and I'm like, okay, I get it. And then my next question was to God. God. How did this happen? Like, this, this wasn't part of the plan. H have you ever had questions for God? Now, I'm not talking about stuff like, um, God, did Adam and Eve have a belly button? I I I'm talking about life happens in such a way that all of a sudden you start asking questions. Questions for God. Like, like you go through the year 2020 with the most polarizing political environment, social unrest, and a pandemic. I remember the first time after Corona hit, I went to Kroger. I felt like I was in the movie I Am Legend. Like, I'm, I'm walking through, I feel like people are looking at me, but it was just mannequins, you know, like in the movie. And I'm like, it was just nervous. It was craziness. But you go through this 2020, and, and, and here's what happens. You have questions for God. But then there's the turn of the year moving into 2021, and here's what happens. After looking at a trying year like 2020, here's the question that we ask in some form or fashion. God, is 2021 going to be different? That's what we're asking. Some form or fashion of that question, I just want to know, is it going to be different? Is this the year that my marriage will be different? Is this the year that I'll finally get married? Is this the year that my children, they're going to change? Is this the year that I'll finally have children? Is this the year that I'm going to make the team? Is this the year that I'll land the job? Is this the year that I'll finally be healed? Is this the year that I'll finally get free? Is this the year and you fill in the blank? 
In other words, we're saying, God, are you going to change it this year? If you find yourself asking some form of that question today, you're in good company. Because the Bible tells us that John the Baptist goes through a very trying time. And now he begins to ask a question. But the answer that Jesus gives John the Baptist brings such hope as we step into 2021, but also a great challenge. So let's talk about this this question. John the Baptist asks his disciples to go talk to Jesus and asks him, are you the Messiah or should we look for another? Now, the question in and of itself is very perplexing to me, okay? Because you have to think about who it's coming from. It's John the Baptist. Like, he's the guy. John the Baptist is the guy that in Luke chapter 1, the Bible says that he is in his mother Elizabeth's womb. Mary, the mother of Jesus, walks into the room, and John the Baptist in the womb leaps. Like, in my mind, I picture him breakdancing. Like, I think he was something like, hey, I don't know. But, but whatever he did, he leapt in the womb so much so that his mother Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she actually says out of her mouth to Mary, Wow, how blessed am I that the mother of the Savior would come here. Like from birth, John's already connected to Jesus. And then to make matters worse, in John chapter 1, the Bible tells us that, that John actually elaborates on this when he tells his disciples, he says, look, I was baptizing. I, I baptized Jesus and, and I hear this audible voice from God saying, this is the one. Now, not only that, the God had spoken to me and said, the one that the Holy Spirit descends upon and stays on, that's the one, John. John's so convinced that Jesus is the Messiah that, that the next day when he sees Jesus, he tells his disciples, look, the Lamb of God. And two of his disciples leave him and start following Jesus. To top it off, in John chapter 3, John's disciples come to, to him and say, hey, um, we need to tell you something. You remember the guy Jesus that you baptized? Well, he's on the other side of the river, and, and he's actually baptizing more people than you now, John. That, that's not okay, because you are John the Baptist. So you, you, you got to beat him, right? And, and John says this in John chapter 3, verse 30. He says, listen, guys, he must increase and I must decrease how is it then that a man who was so convinced that Jesus was the Messiah now has a question isn't it funny how you can be so confident in one moment about something and then life happens And you've got some questions. John wants to know, are you the Messiah? Should we look for another? The Bible gives us a couple of clues as to why John asked that question. First of all, it tells us his location. It says he was in prison. He was in prison. Now, I used to work for 
a prison ministry. Before I started working at Gateway Church, I worked for a prison ministry. And I'll tell you a funny story. I, um, at Gateway, we do what's called prophetic presbytery, okay? And basically what that means is that we invite people with a strong prophetic gift uh, to come and minister to people at the church. And so we have what we call candidates. These are people that the the those with the prophetic gift will come in and they'll pray over and speak what God is sharing. And so just just to let you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks about the gift of prophecy and says it's for exhortation, it's for comfort, it's for edification. So exhortation is God calling you up. Edification is God building you up. And comfort is God picking you up. So, so when they come in, they're speaking those things over us. And so they do this in front of the congregation or in front of the staff. And so it was my turn to go just a couple years uh, into my tenure at Gateway. And the, the gentleman stands up there and he begins to prophesy over me. And he says, um, man, I'm, I'm afraid to say this, but I feel like it's important. He said, I saw this picture of you and you were behind bars. And I, I was like, excuse me? Like, that is not the word I came to hear. Uh, uh, seriously, he says, you were behind bars. He said, have you ever been to prison? And, and, and I, I mean, this is in front of everybody. I was like, no, I've never been to prison. Uh, and he said, and then he did this. Literally, he went, whoo. And I went, you going, whoo. You almost said I was going to prison, man. But I worked for a prison ministry. And one time we went to... Uh, Louisiana State Penitentiary, also known as Angola, and it is the largest maximum security prison in the nation. Over 6,000 inmates there. Most of them are serving life sentences. Some of them are on death row. And I go, I go to this, this prison, and there were a few things that I learned there. So I was talking to one gentleman, an inmate there, and, and he said, Jelani, I don't care who you are, the biggest, baddest guy here, when you crawl in your bed at night, you cry because you don't want to be here. I wonder if that was John. Most theologians think he was probably in prison for over a year before he sent the disciples to ask. Can you imagine a guy that's been preaching and proclaiming and all of a sudden he finds himself in a place he never thought he would be? He's in prison. He's confined. He's bound. He's locked up. And this wasn't supposed to happen. Can we get real for a moment here? There's some of us, we know what that's like. We may not be in a physical prison, but we know what it's like to be bound. We know what it's like to have a stronghold. We know what it's like to feel like we can't get free and have questions. There's something else I learned when I went to the prison, talking to another gentleman there, another inmate, and, and he says to me, he says, Jelani, I want to show you something. And he takes out this photo album, which I think that, okay, I'm going to look at Polaroid pictures. He opens up the photo album, and there's photos in there, but they're actually from the obituary section of the newspaper. And what he has done is he has cut out those photos, and as he begins to turn page after page after page after page, he says, I know them, and I know them, and these are my friends, and these are my friends. And then he stopped at the end, and he said, Jelani... 
if I wasn't in here in prison, I would be in here because I had these friends. I had, I had these, these friends. Let me just take a rabbit trail here for a moment. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Well, why does he say that? Because relationships reproduce. I heard a pastor say one time, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Listen to me, especially some of you young people out there. One of the things that you need to pray about doing as you step into 2021 is evaluating your friendships. There are some people that are not supposed to go with you in this next season. There are some people that the enemy wants to use to pull you down and drag you down. But let me tell you something, God is calling you to a new place and to a new level and everybody cannot go with you. But this, this gentleman that tells me this, what I realize is he's had time to contemplate now. The reason why he can look back and say, man, I made some poor decisions is because he's had some time to contemplate, to think about his life. And, and as he looks back over his life, he's wanting to know, man, am I really making a difference? Is it like, what, what have I done with my life? And I wonder if John sat there too. He was confined and now he's contemplating. I'm thinking about my life and have I really made a difference? Does this really matter? Have I followed the wrong person? I wonder, for some of us, as we start the new year, there's not a moment where you pause and go, does my life really count? I'm really making a difference. See, I think John gets to that place, and so he's got questions. So he was in prison. But then the scripture also tells us, though, that not only was he in prison, it says that he heard what Jesus was doing. So you've got, he's in this location, and now he's hearing things. And apparently whatever John heard didn't quite meet his expectations. Have you ever had expectations go unmet? Ever been there? I, I, uh, I married into a family of giants. Um, <laughs> So my, my father-in-law is like 6'4", uh, my brother-in-law is like 6'3", 6'4", um, my two sisters-in-law, they're both 5'10", uh, and, and then my wife is 5'6 and a half, and she's taller than me, which is not a feat, but she's taller than me. Um, and, and so like the first time I met them was at a volleyball banquet for Texas A&M volleyball players, and I was just like, hi, hi, nice to meet all of you. So it's, I'm very insecure when I go visit my wife's family. I mean, it's just, it's awful. It's like a, a picture of, you guys have seen the movie Blindside? It's like the reverse Blindside, you know, like this, the small guy in the corner, black dude, it's just a mess. So anyway, um, I'm, I'm distracted. Well, I don't even know what I was saying. So, 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 oh yeah, so the first time I, I meet my sister-in-law, okay, first time I meet my sister-in-law, I go over to the house, knock on the door, and this is the way she tells the story. She says, I opened the door and I looked out to see Jelani and I couldn't see him. And then I looked down and there he was. Did not quite meet her expectations. So, so you got John, whatever he heard about Jesus didn't meet the expectations. That, that, he, he's, going, he's hearing something that causes alarm, which means he needs to get clarity. Now, there were, there were different perspectives on what the Messiah would do. There, there were some people that thought the Messiah would bring a spiritual awakening, which Jesus did. 
But there were others that thought the Messiah is going to come in and he is going to be like a warrior king politician. He's going to overthrow this Roman rule and get rid of all the oppressors. He's going to lead the people into a new golden age. That's not the way Jesus operated. And so I don't know if if John hears this and he's scratching his head going, "I, I just, I thought it would be different. What you find is that in some form or fashion, he was disappointed by God. Now here's what we don't want to talk about in church. Have you ever been disappointed by God? Have you ever just knew, knew it was going to work out this time and it didn't? You, you knew this, this time it was going to happen and it didn't. You, you, you knew this one would last and it didn't. Have you ever been disappointed with God? Listen, I, I can tell you, a couple of months ago, I was disappointed with God. And, and I don't remember all the dynamics. It was a crescendo of circumstances in my life. But I remember going outside to pray. And I was angry. I was hurt. And I start walking around outside praying. And, and I literally remember saying this out of my mouth. I said, in tears, in tears, I said, you could change this if you wanted to. You could change it if you wanted to. Now, I'm so thankful God's merciful that he didn't send a lightning bolt and then it was just a puddle of mud. I mean, like it could have been a mess. But literally, I'm going in tears. You could change this, but you don't. You don't. Why don't you do this for me? And I walked around my neighborhood and I poured my heart out to God. Listen, I I, I think certainly when when we pray, we want to pray the word of God, you pull out the scriptures, absolutely. Certainly when we pray, Jesus has given us a template in the Lord's prayer. But I also see in scripture that there are some prayers that all they are doing is pouring out their heart to God. Psalm 62, 8, the psalmist says, Oh, my people, trust in the Lord at all times. Pour out your hearts to him. Hannah, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, when when the priest Eli thought she was was drunk, she says, and she's praying for her son, right? She's praying for her son. The Bible actually says, or she says in response to, to Eli, she says, I am not drunk. I'm pouring out my heart to God. In Lamentations chapter 2, verse 19, Jeremiah says the same thing. He says, pour out your hearts to the Lord in the presence of God and lift up holy hands in prayer. There is a place. There is a place I believe God is calling us to as we step into 2021 to get rid of some of the rituals and traditions and the liturgy and say, I'm just going to pour out my heart to you. I can't hold it. I can't figure out everything. I'm just going to pour it out to you. This is what I am, God. And let me tell you, as I poured out my heart to God, I poured out disappointment and something spectacular happened. 
I poured out disappointment and it led to an appointment. God met me in my disappointment. With tears streaming down my face, broken hearted, he showed up and he met me. Listen, you're invited to a place as you step into 2021, pour out your heart. Even if you pour out disappointment, it will lead to an appointment. So John is disappointed with God. So Jesus responds to John's question. He says, he says, this is what I want you to tell John. He says, you, you, you tell him that the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Now, personally, I think, Jesus, you could have just said yes. I mean, like... Like, is that hard? You know, like, just say yes sometimes. No. What he does is he lays out a resume. In fact, what he's doing is he's loosely quoting Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 and 6, and Isaiah 61, verse 1. Because these were messianic prophecies that people knew this is what the Messiah would do. And so what he's essentially telling John is, you know what the Messiah is supposed to do. And John, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I I am doing this. Now, I love this because as we step into 2021, I I need to be reminded every now and then Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. In fact, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what he says he did then, he does now. He is still bringing dead people to life. He is still opening blinded eyes. He is still causing the lame to walk. He is still a miracle-working God. He is. He is. In fact, I'll tell you a story. I just heard this a couple of weeks ago. This is from my mom. Never heard this story before. And, And so my mom is sharing this in a prayer meeting, and she says, and, and I'll tell you just up front, it's, it's a little bit graphic, but you'll understand the heart. When my mom was in her 20s, she walked away from the Lord, and she got involved in drugs. And she said, one day, a guy pulled a gun on her, put it to her head, and pulled the trigger. And she said, when, and it was a 357 Magnum said when he pulled the trigger, she heard the gun go off. She was lying on the ground. She heard the gun go off, and she said, I just knew I was dead. And she said, so I just laid over to the side. She said, I just knew I was dead. After he pulls the trigger, somebody knocks on the door of the house. And so he gets up thinking she's dead and goes to the door. My mother realizes that he has walked away, she's still alive, she jumps up and literally jumps through a window to get out. She goes running down the street, knocking on doors, somebody help, they finally call the police and take her to the emergency room. She said, I'm in the emergency room and I just happened to look up at the clock 
and the clock says 7.40. So about a week later, my mom calls her mom. Now her mom is Millie, okay? And Millie is one of those praying grandmothers, all right? And so, so she's talking to Millie and Millie asks her, and my mom's name is Linda. She says, Linda, where were you last Wednesday night, which was that night? Where, where were you last Wednesday night? What, what, what was going on? And my mom said, well, I lied to her. I said, I wouldn't do anything. Everything was fine. She said, well, well I'm just, I'm asking you because we were in a testimony service on that Wednesday night. And in the middle of the testimony service, the pastor stopped the testimony service and called me up. And said, Millie, you come stand right here. I don't know what's going on, but we need to surround her and we need to start praying, y'all. We need to start praying. This is at the very same time that somebody's holding a gun to my mother's head. You can never convince me that God in his goodness didn't stop a service to say, I am going to work a miracle now and protect this woman. Listen, listen, listen to me. Listen. You know who I wish I could go back and say thank you to? Yes, I praise the Lord. Absolutely. But you know who else I want to say thank you to? I want to say thank you to the pastor. I want to say thank you to the pastor who was willing to say, yes, we've got an agenda, but God's speaking right now. And he said, I don't even know what's going on. We just need to pray right now. Listen, you want to flip this city upside down? You have your own little agenda, but then when God speaks, you throw everything out the window and say, I'm going to do what God said. I don't have to understand. I don't have to figure it out, but I have got to be obedient to what God is saying. I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Listen, there's a prayer that I started to pray the last several months. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. And it's really what Paul says at the end of his letter. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Almost every morning, I get on my knees and I say, May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship, the partnership, the intimacy of the Holy Spirit be with me because I know something. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I need to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I don't have to understand everything. I just know God wants to do something. And so Jesus says, John, I'm a miracle working God and the gospel's being preached to the poor. The good news of the kingdom is here. And then it's like Jesus is this amazing chef. You just think about good chefs. Now, I'm from Louisiana. I like to eat, okay? I, I, I like crawfish. Like, I dream about crawfish. I mean, this is just, it's, it's serious. But, but I can't cook at all. All right, I'm awful. Like, my kids know if mom goes out of town, hey, guys, y'all want to eat something? Um, I can cook ramen noodles. And if you want beef and chicken and shrimp, like, they have the packages, we'll pour that. That's all we're getting tonight. They, they know daddy is not any help when it comes to cooking, okay? But, but you know those good chefs, they, they make their whatever, and then they, they taste it, right? And then they can always say, oh, it just needs a little more salt. We need to add just a little something else to it. Like, we need to put a little more sauce in here or something. Just, just add a little something in there. And it's like, that's what Jesus did with John. 
He says, John, I'm going to make it clear I'm the Messiah. But hold on, hold on, hold on, guys, before you go, before you go, I I need to add something to this because I know where John is. This is, this is good, but, but John needs to know something else. I need to add this. And he says, John, blessed is he who does not fall away because of me. Some versions say, blessed is he who is not offended by me. Oh. He adds another B attitude. John, you need to hear this. Blessed is he. Blessed, he, he, he's saying happy. Happy is he. Or, or the Greek actually communicates the idea of an extension of benefits. Extended benefits to he who does not fall away because of me. The, the, the Greek word does not fall away is actually just one word. And that word is the word scandalon or scandalizo. It's where we get our English word scandal. So Jesus says to John, happy, blessed is he who does not scandalon because of me. That Greek word communicates the idea of a snare or a trap or to cause to stumble. In other words, a stumbling block. You know what a stumbling block is? It's something that impedes progress. Can we, can we bring out that, that box over there? So, I brought this, this box, and I listen, I used to be a children's pastor, okay, so you know there's always got to be some kind of illustration or something here. Okay, you see on the front of the box it says Jesus. When we think about a stumbling block, here's what we typically think about. We think about sin. We, we think about Matthew 18, like, 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 okay, if the right hand causes you to sin, you cut it off, all right? If the left hand causes you, I mean, like, you know, right eye, gouge it out, all those things. We think about, listen, what you don't want to do is be a stumbling block to children. Like, you, that's the last thing you want to do. So we think about those things in terms of sin, and that's not wrong. But Jesus actually says that the way that we look at him or the expectations that we have of him, could actually be, now imagine this is a stumbling block. Could actually be a stumbling block. So you think about this. 2021, I'm taking off to run this race. And I'm going, I'm out the blocks and I'm moving and I'm going. And I come to this place where, where I know I've got expectations of what Jesus is supposed to do this year. What he's supposed to do in my life this year. And when I come to this point, and let's just say it doesn't happen, I can either A, trip legitimately (laughs) over the box, or I can get to the same place and I can trust. I can trust. There's a 
There's a, a man by the name of Gene Edwards who wrote a book called The Prisoner in the Third Cell. And it's really about this whole concept with John the Baptist. And I would summarize the overarching thought in this book with a couple of questions. Because he basically says in this book, here's the challenge for us as believers. Are we willing to follow a savior we can't figure out? Are we willing to worship a Messiah who doesn't always meet our expectations? Are we willing to trust a God we don't understand? I'll close with this last story and I want to invite the worship team to come up. So I told you that we've got three children, one on the way, so number four is coming. But that is technically four on earth. My wife and I actually have one child in heaven. We miscarried our very first. And I know that, that some of you have experienced that and it's, it's heartbreaking. Especially for my wife. So you have to know my wife, growing up, all she wanted to do was be a mom and lead a small group. Like that's all she wanted. And so when we got pregnant, I mean, she was so excited. She's like clicking her heels together, all that stuff. Like she's just elated. And I'll never forget, we go to the first OB appointment about eight weeks in, and he does the sonogram and then calls us into his office, and he says, um, he says, either you are not as far along as you thought, or you've miscarried. So I remember the long drive home, we didn't say anything. To each other. We get home and I'm going uh, to another church to speak and she's going on a ministry trip and I remember she grabbed me right before we left and she said, what is going on? I remember a couple of days later I woke up in the middle of the night and just decided to research the symptoms of a miscarriage. And when I read through that list, she literally had almost every single one. And I remember thinking, Lord, if she hasn't miscarried, it will be a miracle. Get up the next day and I go out to walk and pray. And as I'm walking and praying, I start singing this old gospel song that my mother used to play in the car. Let me just encourage you, parents. You keep sowing seed. Because you never know 25 years later what the Holy Spirit will bring back up. I start singing this old gospel song. Come on in the room. Come on in the room where Jesus is my doctor. He writes out all my prescriptions. He gives me all my medicine in the room. And I'm just singing this song. Come on in the room. Jesus, you're my doctor. I need you. I need you. And I'll never forget, I'm singing this song. And all of a sudden, this verse pops into my mind. You all know it, Proverbs 3, chapter 5, or chapter 3, verse 5. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And I remember just feeling like the Lord said, Jelani, do you trust me? I said, I trust you. And two days later, we miscarried. Listen, I'm not saying God caused a miscarriage. I don't fully understand what happened. All I know is that I was faced with a moment where I could trip or I could trust. At the beginning of 2021, you may have come in asking the question, God, is it going to be different this year? And maybe God comes back to you and asks the question, what if it is? What if it isn't? Will you still trust me? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.